All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan, and welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited today to introduce you to Raul Sarker. Raul is president of Clarity Manufacturing Consulting and has 30 years of manufacturing experience reinforced by postgraduate education from the Illinois Institute of Technology and the University of Notre Dame. He has worked with a passion in the trenches, in the nooks and crannies worldwide to help small and medium fabrication and manufacturing companies win more bids, increase revenue, and achieve operational improvements leading to greater profitability. So welcome to the show, Raul. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I, um, it's an honor to be here, and I'm looking forward to this. Tell us a little bit about your background and journey and really what led you into manufacturing and doing what you do. I initially had wanted to become a teacher, a professor at a university, but I very quickly you know, got into manufacturing. The reason I, I have focused for the past 30 years, I've focused and worked in small media manufacturing companies. Because many years ago, my first boss, who became a business partner later on, told me that, if you work in a small media manufacturing company, you will learn a lot. You'll wear multiple hats. And boy, he was right. I have been all over the world, various companies, visiting and understanding what manufacturing is all about. The other thing that has uh, driven me is the fact that the small media manufacturing companies are in so many ways disadvantaged. If you think of the 250,000 manufacturing companies in the U.S., 80%, 75 to 80% of that number have 20 employees or less. I mean, think of that. 75 to 80% have 20 or fewer employees. And, and they're the backbone of the manufacturing in this country, which is about 10% of GDP, right? But think of what, how the path they have had to experience for the last 50 years, 50 years. And it, it, is, it is not getting any better. Their profits have shrunk. Their sales have shrunk. And, and that inequity is really something that is troubling. And I've kind of made it my passion to work on understanding what and why does this happen? What can be done about it? And hope to play a part in that. So, Yeah, and profits is certainly important for any business. And when you're looking at these small and medium manufacturers compared to OEMs and some of the big players that are out there, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. So what are some of the ways that, we'll just call them SMM, uh, SMMs. Yes, can, absolutely, right. <laughs> but what are some of the ways that you found that people can increase their profits in those SMMs? The answer to that is actually don't focus on profits. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. I think that mindset, that focusing on profits mindset has been, I, you know, contributory to the uh, sufferings and, and troubles of small media manufacturers. Here's the thing. If you think of the OEMs, the big, large OEMs, profit margins, double-digit profit margins easily, 10, 15, 20, 20% for, if you're an Apple, you know, 35, 40%, right? Uh -huh. If you think of that. 
And right. the small guys are shrinking from, you know, double digits to single digits. And heck, if you, you know, if you are making 5% net, you're, you're celebrating at the end of the day. So that squeeze has been brought about by the large OEMs and enforcing the, the smaller manufacturers. It's almost like the life of an SMM is you kind of, you don't know what is going to happen because the OEMs that are making products, they know what their, uh, where the revenue is coming from. They know their markets. They, they have a history and can make forward-looking projections. But for SMM, heck, you know, you are waiting for the scraps to fall off the table that the big dogs are dining at, frankly. The large OEMs are squeezing the smaller guys for profits. And guess what happens? If you think of the exodus of U.S. manufacturing, in the uh, late 90s and 2000s. Who drove that? It wasn't the small, medium manufacturing companies. It was the large corporations who had the resources to go over to Asia and set up shop there, look for manufacturers, look for suppliers, as some of the tier one, tier twos followed suit. But the SMMs, they don't have the resources to send people there. And so they got even further squeezed. They had to drive their prices down even further to match offshore competition. How far do you go? You, there's, you know, you run into negative territory. So, and that's the reason why, if you think, if you look at the statistics, it is common knowledge that businesses, within the first five years, 50% of businesses fail. For manufacturing companies, if you think of what, what happens in year 10. So if I make it past five years, am I all good? No, unfortunately, within, the, within 25 years, 80% of manufacturing companies disappear. That's tragic. And that is where the focus has been on profits, but it has to be on revenue. You have to have a substantial amount of revenue before you start cutting and hacking and, and making the reductions, trying to increase profits. And that's the mindset. Change of mindset, I think, is really important in this case. So if you're not focusing on profits, what are some of the things that they can do to focus on their people, focus on their culture? Because we know when they're doing the right things, the profits happen. But what does those what do those right things look like? If a company can focus on building revenues, for example, small, medium manufacturing companies, fabricators, job shops, they are getting requests for quotations or RFQs. Of those RFQs, they may they're lucky if they win five percent, ten percent would be an awesome number. So, how many actually look at why didn't they win the remaining 90-95% of the bids and analyze that and try to figure out what did we do wrong and provide the proper training, provide the proper resources, bring in all the good stuff. And, and secondly, along the same lines of revenues, it, you have to think of other ways in which we can productize our manufacturing capabilities, make products. This is where the pandemic really proved a point where because of the urgent need of PPEs and all that, all sorts of small, medium manufacturing companies were able to jump in and really stepped up and, and were able to help and also help help society in general and help people and uh, first responders and all of that and also help themselves realize oh my gosh i, I can make a specific product like guards or, or uh, whatever face masks or this and that and i think that that lesson should be carried on it, it shouldn't just be during a pandemic where we realize oh my gosh if we had products we would make a lot of money we have to carry that thinking forward and not just wait for the scraps from 
to drop off the, the table of the OEMs, but actually get a little more control of your own destiny outside the box thinking. Unfortunately, the, right. it's not a very tidy answer and, and you have to try, you have to try different things. Well, and one of the things too, with them being such a part of the pandemic and making masks and making all the things and seeing that they were part of this greater mission, seeing that they were helping in the greater good of society, and we can actually take that message forward so that companies are reminded that no matter what it is that they're making, no matter what it is that they're doing, what are their employees doing to contribute to that greater picture? Even if they're making a spring and they're just sitting making the same pieces, parts every single day, but letting that employee know this spring goes into this piece of equipment that saves lives. This spring goes into this plane or whatever it is so that we're we're seeing that contribution that we make the why why is this job important and the people aspect is something that gets so neglected and yeah let me explain if you think of when a downturn hits who are the first uh, which item gets cut first hr quality and people get cut because wait a second if you think of your revenue as a big pizza right okay you uh, want to look at what is, so there's your revenue and slices of that pizza are coming off and those are your expenses and what is left behind, the little sliver of, of pizza that you have left behind is what you take home for profits, right? Now, if you think of the mindset of, okay, what do I focus on? You have to focus on the biggest contributor to that expense uh, item, right? Uh, what, what is, where is the pizza getting consumed? If you're in manufacturing, 50% of the pizza goes in materials cost, okay? Mm. People cost are maybe 15, 20%. If you have a more of a slice, bigger slice than that, that is a problem that you need to address. But think, focus on the big, big problems, the big slices like materials. And, and that's why I recommend one thing, one mindset of thinking I recommend for all SMMs is, the Pareto principle. It's a fundamental way of thinking. You always look at the big hitters, you know. The Pareto principle, 80% of your effects are caused by 20% uh, of causes, right? For example, 80% right. of your losses are driven by 20% of your products or 20% of your uh, customers create problems that take up 80% of the time of your people and so on and so forth. If you think along those lines, what are the biggest contributors to my problems today and and you you will have a mindset of thinking oh what can i do to help that even even for the revenue side of things okay why am i not what is driving those 90 95 percent of bids away from us why did we lose that did we have proper training are our salespeople educated enough to gather information of the market pricing and, and what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. Did someone mess up? Did someone bid too low? Did someone bid too high? That mindset will take a manufacturing company a long way. If, if you, you have to think of the, the way you look at problems, you cannot, and that's why I say, you know, Benjamin Franklin said, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting the results to be different. That's insanity, right? For 50 right. years, we've been struggling. We've been struggling to have, uh, you know, uh, small, medium manufacturing companies uh, make make decent profits. 
yet nothing's happening, nothing's changing because we are focused on profit first. Revenue first is, is what I say is we have to focus on that. So with some of the clients that you've been working with, what are you seeing? What are some of the things that they are doing that are helping them put their people first? You know, specific examples of maybe some of the cool things or ideas that you've seen. Companies that I have had or I've seen succeed have treated their people as not PL line items but a part of the balance sheet. I think that is that is where it's, again, it's a mindset. If you treat your people, uh, look at them as expense items as opposed to assets, I think that's where I have seen just recently, you know, I've been working with a company and the leadership there is just incredible. They understand the value of people and recognition and bringing, having People, their people have ideas, so many ideas, you know, trying to pull ideas from the people. The power of ideas is immense. We see companies where the owner tries to do it all. You, you cannot do it all. Right. You have to trust your people. Hire bright young minds. Bring them in. Don't slash your workforce. So many companies get rid of people. Out the door goes all that knowledge and experience uh-huh. that you just collected over 10, 15, 20, whatever uh, have you. And that just walks out the door. And that's your asset, which is walking out the door. Now, when you talked about that company that you're working with, and you said they were a great leadership team, what makes them great? The CEO, the president of the company. I mean, his attitude, he sets the tone, right? He sets the tone. And that is, is, I've seen, you know, companies that have terrible, terrible uh, employee satisfaction uh, situation, the, the leadership, the top person in command, I think they set the tone. And, and uh, you know, and it just, I have known this for 20 some years, you know, the fish rots from its head. And, and I see this in so many places. And this, this company is such a classic example of how if you have the proper leadership that is hands-on, he's, he's running around the shop floor, he's, he's cleaning up vehicles and, and showing the people that no job is above my level. I'm, I'm with you. I'm the part of the team. And we all have to succeed as a team. I think that mindset is, is so valuable, appreciating the people. Go walk around the shop, talk to people, get them Get, get to know them as people, not just expense items on your on your PL statement. Right. Um, I think that has a huge, huge effect on making people think. And like you said, you know, why am I making the spring? Well, if they know the why and they understand that, hey, my spring is going in there, and, and if I don't make the spring properly, I can end up having the team suffer and and that team spirit is driven by the leadership so vital so vital well and it really does start at the leadership there's way too many companies that look at employee engagement and retention and that type of thing as an hr issue or somebody Uh, below them and it it really does start at the top and when you said walking through the plant giving your employees access knowing them by name knowing a little bit about the employees because when that leader is walking through the plant and says hey bob how you doing bob's gonna be like holy cow that's my name oh my gosh yes (laughs) you know think of that it's so powerful and just that's 
and this is another mistake companies make. They think, oh, I, I give financial incentives. Financial incentives do not work. The respect to people, just that that high bob means so much, means so much. The recognition, making the job meaningful. Why am I making this screw or why am I making this spring? You know, giving them all that really makes a difference. And, and you know, it's encouraging to see there is uh, more and more of a uh, awakening and a realization. In fact, uh, some of your guests on your earlier shows have been talking about things like that. And it's really encouraging to see that. And I'm hoping that this, this will uh, spread throughout the whole small media manufacturing companies because they really need the help. They really need the help. And they are the ones that can help themselves. And that's the thing that they have to understand. Not the government, not some dole or something like that. They have to use their people resources, their brains, their the brains that they have in their companies. Use that. Yeah, especially since we have such a shortage of skilled workers out there. You think with unemployment being at an all-time high right now or a high for a long time, that people would be easy to find and they're not. So it's it's those skilled workers that you need. So if you have good people working for you, it's it's really creating those relationships and saying thank you and recognizing your employees and all of that is not an excuse to pay them less than market wage. <laughs> you that, still want that's, that, that's exactly. <laughs> and you yeah. know, Lisa, that point you bring up about the skilled workforce gap, we, we've complained about this for 10, 15, 20 years. We've talked about the gap, right? Why do employ good, sharp individuals go work at McDonald's instead of at a factory? Mm-hmm. McDonald's pays them more. That's sad. That has to change. That really has to change. You have to attract, in order to attract the brains, you have to step up and increase that the wages you pay them. And, and this is something, in fact, just yesterday, there was a, a Forbes article, very, very encouraging to read that, that someone is saying that, someone is saying those words, like it will cost you minimal to pay the person $2 extra per hour. If you think of the downside of of retraining and uh, attrition uh, so, so that's yeah. a whole different whole different topic <laughs> right exactly i know and just to, as we move off that topic i remember reading a, a, some statistics that said that by that time the time that employee walks in the door the on day one you've already spent about 6500 bucks getting them in there so when you start Absolutely. to put that pen to paper you can't afford to have that high turnover and just looking for these little things to make your culture a better place to work, to, to people enjoy working there, then that's going to keep them and it's going to increase your profits. Absolutely. Exactly. That it, it comes. Profit comes. If you do all these things right, profit will come. So absolutely. So if you were to think about your best tip from what you you've seen or what you've worked when it talks about putting people first what would that be the power of ideas your people have been running the machines have been making the parts have been doing whatever you are having them do for many many years they have ideas that will blow your mind. About 15, 20 years ago, there was a book, The Power of Ideas or, or something. It, it was so profound. I, and then suddenly people stopped talking about it because you know everyone ran to the next big thing or whatever fad they had. The power right. of ideas. Your people have so many ideas. 
go and and just make it easy for them to come up to you and talk to you and give those ideas and recognize them for for those ideas you know and i think that that's a tip that can take to the bank really one so. yeah and especially since when you have new employees come in that are seeing the world differently from you whether or not they have experience in your industry or not of listening to them and acting on the things that they share because that makes them even more loyal and more committed to you because they feel heard absolutely absolutely and that uh, new employees new people coming in they bring in a whole different world view and different way of seeing things if you've been in a shop, in a factory floor, you walk by that that leaky uh, oil pan or whatever, leaky machine every day, and you don't think about it, and the, a new person comes in, why is that leaking? How much is that costing? That's costing a lot. See, you you get new, fresh ideas, fresh ideas and respect and, and freedom to think and speak and, and be valued as an individual. So, so important. You know, and actually it's funny because when you talk about that leaky can that people's walking by every day, it's also thinking about what your, you know, what do your rec, your break rooms look like versus your customer facing places. You have people in the office, the office is bright and shiny and clean. You go into the shop lunchroom and it's gray and dirty. And so these little things about just upping the environment for your employees to make sure that when that new employee, that prospect comes in who might be joining your company, they're looking around going, wow, that they must care about us because it's clean, because it's bright, because it feels good to be in that place. Absolutely, absolutely. That is so, so vital because then people, you know, the employees think, oh, they care about us. You feel it's like instead of just you walk into the lobby, nice, beautiful, and then you walk out in the shop, it's dark, it's stingy, it's oily, it's, you know, floors are slippery. It's like, whoa, you know, that's, and, and it sends a message and they, they leave. Anyone who doesn't desperately need a job, they'll leave. They don't want to work in there, you know. It's, well, you and I can obviously talk about this all day long. Absolutely. So being on the same page. So if people do want to get a hold of you to connect with you and learn more, what's the best way for them to do that? Email, uh, call, call me the, you know, on my website, the, uh, my number, contact information, everything's on there. And uh, I don't know if people will have that opportunity to have that. I will make sure that in the show notes for this, I'll have all of your contact information Absolutely. too. Absolutely. And just if, if someone just Googles my name, Clarity Manufacturing Consulting or Chicada Phoenix, the website, you know, they'll, they'll find me or on LinkedIn. As we wrap up in our last minute or so, what is it that you do for your clients? How do you serve the people who you consult for? help them save on the material prices, the material costs, help them, you know, cut down that slice of the pizza and help them see, think outside the box and, and walk into a, a factory and, and point out these things and help them, help them uh, understand what they can do uh, about changing, improving and, and surviving. And that's, that's, uh, that's, basically what I do. Okay, well, I will tell you what, all this talk about pizza is making me hungry. <laughs> so, Raul, it has, been, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining same me. Same here, same here. And thank you so much for having me. I really Absolutely. enjoyed this. 
Well, I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.